Today, I talk with Kristen Nig from The Avid, which is an organization that supports schools and students everywhere. And she is the vice president of technology and data. In that role, Kristen is responsible for guiding the organization through all of the aspects of real analytic development, building the foundations of data, both in the technical capacity, the software, the stack that you use to be able to collect, process, analyze, and disseminate data, but also the human side of it, the skills that we need, the culture that we must have to be able to actually access what that technology is trying to provide us. So today we discuss the framework of that journey, which is oftentimes called a maturity journey. And the idea that you can look at the level of analytic and data maturity that you have in your organization and use that to help map the growth that you hope to see in yourself, in your team, in your organization by getting clear on what maturity means to you, what you need from your data journey and where you're trying to get to, what you're trying to accomplish. So enjoy. Hello, and welcome to Heart, Soul, and Data, where we explore the human side of analytics to help amplify the impacts of those out to change the world. With me, Alexandra Mannerings. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Christian. I am very happy to have you here. We're going to talk about a really interesting topic of assessing our maturity. And we're not just talking about dad jokes. We're actually talking about analytic maturity. So before we get started, do you mind introducing yourself so everyone knows who you are and where in the world you're joining us from? Happy to. Hi, everyone. My name is Kristen Ames. I'm currently the Vice President of Technology and Data, and I am located right outside of Chicago. And so... I would love to know a little how you came to data. What's your journey? Because so many people I have the honor to talk to you have taken wildly different journeys, and I always love to showcase all the different ways we get here. Nice. Okay. How did I come into data, or did data come to me? I have an undergrad in information systems, and my first job out of college was at a workforce development nonprofit. Lucky for me, that kind of solidified their niche for the rest of my career. At that time, let's just say it was more than 15 years ago, less than 20, <laughs> data specifically uh, impact measurements, all the things that I even oversee now was just kind of starting in the sector. And so I'm really lucky because that organization had a very high business acumen. And that's where I really cut my teeth and saw that there is power in investing in data, using it, the application. And I was just so grateful for that professional development being that first part of my journey because it really, it really struck a chord with me because being a technology person, I really didn't know how that would fit into such a space like that. But then it was not typically associated together. And that's certainly not a migration that is universally completed across the nonprofit <laughs> sector. I think we're all still in the throes of that and some earlier on than others, which is a little what we're going to talk about today. So I, we got connected about this idea of being able to assess your analytic maturity as an organization. And I have to start with, you know, what do we even mean by the concept of analytic maturity? Or, you know, that's... It's really interesting when we started to talk about that before this a little bit, is that analytic maturity can really be anything that you define. You know, there's mention of nonprofits versus for-profits that typically use maturity in some way or another. It can be for data or any type of uh, modeling. But I think there, I really don't think it's 
needs to be such a separation. Maturity indices are all over the place. So I don't see any reason why they can't cross-pollinate or there's a possibility in those instances for nonprofits as a general framework. Now, no, there's no one size fits all. So when we say analytic maturity, it's really, it really doesn't mean anything until you define it and who's defining it, right? I believe that really has to be done by the organization and perhaps depending on their capabilities and outside assessments, or we can talk with kind of like the things that I would look for if you said, hey, we don't have a framework, but you know, what are some signs? What would you do? Right. So you can use an index. Those are definitely good starters or depending where you're at and what kind of commitment level you can have someone come in and do it like yourself, Alexander, or you hire somebody because you're committed to bringing that full circle and to fruition and having that be a staple of the work. Yeah. I would be interested in hearing from you, you know, what generally are the phases of maturity that you look for? Sure. So it's less about analytics maturity. It's more about data maturity because you don't get analytics without data. And just so that I'm not, if I'm not clear to everybody, analytics comes after you, after the data. That's the pattern and the trend, how you want to make sense of that data, right? And then you can apply it in very strategic ways. So I would probably look at it from a data maturity perspective. I don't really have like phases or model. It's kind of a, I take a listen and observe first approach. As a natural introvert, I'm an observer, I'm a processor. I take all the context clues and conversations and observations into place. And then, you know, if I had to bucket it, it would be pretty similar to what you would see on probably other maturity industries. It could be like none, we have nothing. Just starting, merging, growing, steady, mature, advanced, anything that is pretty simple and easy for people to kind of be like, okay, I'm in the, in the middle, I'm doing really well, or I need a lot of work. Keep it simple is kind of the way that I like to approach it. So it's more about really what's under the hood, and that really varies from organization to organization. Yeah. So like, if we take an example of a mid-sized nonprofit, what would a data mature mid-sized nonprofit look like? I would say one is that there is a culture of data. And so that means do people come across to the meeting for data points to reinforce their comments? When does data show up in these cases and how consistently does it show up? Uh, it, in a mature one, this will be common practice, right? If it is just driven by the head of the org asking people to come back with data, or are they already coming with it, right? Is, they, is this a norm? When you talk about data culture, do staff members, not just leadership, routinely ask and receive questions on data in order to form their own solution? Do departments have dashboards to address monitor? Right? Nonprofits, depending on, I guess, what you're focusing on, does the organization have a period of change in place to hold fidelity, keep continuous improvement and everything on, on task? Have they defined KPIs and metrics? You know, what's their take on performance management? I always like to ask, how do they define measure and report on success? Because if I get 20 different answers, it's clear that there's work to be done. Right? Not everyone is on the same page. Or if people can't answer it, then that's almost an immediate. Now we know where we are. Um, and there are different domains in which just showed up. One is culture. Also humans and technology. Dive into that if you want, or we can go wherever you want. Yeah, so let's talk. I love that idea of maturity and culture, right? So a mature organization from the point of view of data says that there's consistent engagement in data. Like you said, it's across levels of the organization. It's not just driven by one role or one department or one level, but it's, as you said, that people ask for consistently and receive 
the data that they need. And so that received part, of course, is driven by two other pieces, which is the humans and the tech side, right? So what does analytic maturity look like from a human side? From a human side, one of the first things I've had the good fortune of, you know, starting from the bottom and moving over time to the top. And so one of the first things that I have noticed is that analytic or data maturity or both in combination, there is, I ask when I'm interviewing all the time, do you see technology and data as a cost center or a strategy? And how people answer that will tell me everything I need to know about where they're headed or where they want to go or what the priorities are. Because typically, in general terms, it's seen as a cost center. Whereas I think, as you can probably surmise, it is a strategy center. It's done well and done right. So from a human perspective, that's a human question that I ask and I get answers to. And I ask, I don't just ask the CEO, I would ask leadership. Because it starts with leadership, embracing that type of culture, and then passing that, making it a norm. How do I, from a human perspective, do I see data analytics champion by community? So I have informational interviews. Are they staying up to date on what this landscape is doing? Do they know where they're at? Do they know where they want to go? Right. Has the organization made an actual investment in the leadership head for that specific area for data or analytics, technology, combination thereof? Did they built a team? Do they plan to build a team? Do they want to augment it? So basically, money equals commitment from a maturity perspective. Do they plan and make the resources, platforms, all the things that support analytics into the budget annually, not just a capital expense, but we're going to do this one time. Is it a recurring expense that you're going to build and continue to maintain? Also, I like to observe and talk to staff members. What is their actual buy-in? Because it could be championed by SLP, I'm sorry, like a senior leadership team, but if the staff doesn't buy-in and adopt it, it's just not going to happen. So there are certain ways that you can bring them along in that journey, right? Is there a certain enthusiasm? What's the appetite for change or innovation? Or if innovation is a scary word, plain old just doing things differently, right? But there's an appetite for that and there's more space to create for this type of change. And the human aspect of this is where leadership needs to create that space. Are there particular sets of data or analytic skills that you look to have in place or certain roles or hires, you know, that typically mature organizations will have in some capacity? Mature organizations would definitely have a senior leader of the space first. Sometimes I have seen them develop technology teams slowly moving in that direction into data and then finding a, a governing head over that. But nowadays I'm seeing the head from first already space for that in the role. because, And I think that's, my opinion is that's a proper way to do things because they would carve out that strategy because they will be responsible for it. That's such a good point, which is, again, like viewing data as a strategy center rather than a cost center. You start with somebody who's going to define the strategy because by starting with the strategy, then when you go to put the rest of the humans in place or you go to put the technology in place or as you develop the culture, it's developing in tune with the strategy from the beginning rather than trying to do it backwards. Exactly. You can do it backwards. It's just a little bit harder. It's harder to push that through. Yes, that makes sense. And I like what you said, that leadership really is also the first sign of the maturity, right? That you don't have to have enormous data science teams oh, no. to, be, no, no, no. to be mature, right? The idea is, do you have somebody who's in charge of it strategically? And your team can be quite small. 
but you do need to have somebody who is representing you in the leadership level and not just that you have a few analysts who are tucked into some other team or something like that. Yes, because you need a voice at the table where decisions are made. And if you are mature, you will realize the benefits of that type of investment. 100%. I want to ask you a slight tangential question that I'm just very curious about your perspective with, because this is a debate that I do have with people, which is, how do you feel about having decentralized data support, right? So you have your analyst that's in your development office, and you might have an analyst who's in your program evaluation, you know, and maybe they all roll up and they answer to a single executive or they don't. Like, I'm curious about how you see the diverse structure versus single center, right? We have the data team, however small it might be, be a core independent part of the organization, if that makes sense, like its own department versus part of all the other operations. Ooh, that's a good one. I think there are positives and negatives to both sides of things, but I think it all pulls back into the structure and the culture of the organization. Both can work successfully. Ideally, I like to keep it agnostic. There, you know, you would have a whatever you want to call it, data and impact or an analytics team, whatever the case may be. And the reason why I would prefer it to be agnostic is one is that you don't have a bias in any specific area. They do what they do best in the subject matter expertise level, but they collaborate equally across departments to understand the context that they need to know for drawing certain types of insights and conclusions and, and learnings from those departments. But they, if they live in a specific department, there becomes more of a ownership piece over there, which we're human and that's fine, but that's a little more of a bias. So I like to kind of keep things as agnostic as possible with a whole lot of dialogue, collaboration, and context on a continual basis. I don't know if we're at odds now or blocked by what I just said. No. Actually, I mean, I personally lean towards that as well. I think there's benefits of both sides as well. And I agree with you completely that it does have to depend on the culture and the strengths of what you have. I also feel like one of the benefits, like you said, of having it centralized is that it underpins the idea that data are a core functionality of an organization rather than just sort of like a sub-activity of development or a sub-activity of programming. It's like just like HR, you have its own group. It's a function of your organization. And this is something that is essential to the operations of your organization, even if it's a team of just two or three. Oh, absolutely. I've had mighty, mighty teams of two or three. Mm -hmm. Um, It's all in having the right skill set, right? I love how you put it, definitely. Now, with technology, I'd like to talk just a little bit about maturity with data for technology, because I think this is the space that might scare nonprofits the most, because in their minds, they're seeing Google, right? Mm-hmm. right? Or some of these just, you know, Silicon Valley darlings of they're the, what's held up for mature data organizations with technology. But what does mature data technology really look like in the nonprofit space? Like I, I said, and I don't mean this as a, like the... Uh, typical answer, but it really depends on what the need is and what's under the hood. Like I would much rather prefer that there is an organization that keeps really clean and tight spreadsheets than one that has a giant data warehouse and everything's all over the place and it's unmanageable. Right. So it really just depends on the capacity of the organization, their budget, their culture. Ideally, you would have a centralized system that is seen as the single source of truth. But again, it all depends about the quality. Right? You can call it the single source of truth, but if the data is bad or there's constant struggles over definitions and 
fields just being added really nilly, that's not really going to be the best approach. If you kept it really, really clean in a spreadsheet, that's better, right? So there's no judgment here. I would probably also look at what kind of reporting the organization has. Do they have any? What are they asking? What's the capabilities and limitations of it? How complex does it get? What does their tech stack look like? If they say it's MS Office, then we know we're kind of in the beginner stage. And that's not a bad thing. But I like to separate the tech stack from a data operations perspective and then the tech stack from the org perspective in terms of integration. Because you can be really small and have like your data tech stack, the things that make it work, the stuff and the things that make it work, more mature organizations would then have stacks like marketing and other pieces that are integrated into it for a more, for a more holistic view and pull to then possibly put in a lake or a warehouse, right? The more mature you get, the more thoughtful you have to be about combining multiple points of observation and data and system, because especially it could be in an unoptimized state and you can have all the bells and whistles, but I would not call you versus being in a highly optimized state where you're making a world of difference in really utilizing any platform to its full functionality. So it sounds like a lot of gray area there because there is really just depends on, like, you can have the best in class, but if you're only utilizing 10% of it, not very mature. Well, and it sounds like what you're looking for in that tech space for maturity is less a particular software or a particular number of softwares or a particular functionality in software and tech, but rather that the technology is one in place that allows for clean, optimized, consistent, well-structured data, right? Data that is reliable, data that's timely, data that is, like you said, that central source of truth, the fact that you can have agreed upon definitions and the data show up the same way for everybody. And if you achieve that in Excel, awesome. <laughs> if you need Azure, go for it. <laughs> I'm so much money invested in something that you don't maintain well or know how to use, right? Yeah. So I would rather see that in Excel and then we can easily put that in a system. It's really about, again, going back to the culture and the rigor. I did. Processes, if you have semantic clear processes in place for them, you have checks and balances. Like at the core of any analytics or anything that you want to apply it to, for that is the data. And it's the quality of the data that drives mm -hmm. all of that. So at the beginning, if we don't even have that done right, really that's a human thing in a culture thing, right? It's that rigor and the presentation of the process of SOP. Because if you don't have that, everything that flows from that is going to be dirty data and unmutable. What I'm hearing as well that I really like the idea of is that these phases, rather than being like hard and fast, when you get this done, when you put the system in place, when you've hired this role, like now you're mature, like you said, it went from not doing it to doing it inconsistently, doing it with some mess, doing it where just parts of people are involved or parts of the roles are involved or parts of the organization are involved, having data in some places, but not other, having some people bought in, but not other, having data show up some places, but not others or in, you know, just that mess. <laughs> and then maturity is about the consistency and reliability that then you are every day showing up and able to engage in a meaningful way with your analytics as people and with the technology and the culture all in play together, consistently driving that. And I like that arc of going not inconsistent to consistent because really that can happen at any scale. Yes, absolutely. It's not by scale. It's not by platform. Like you said, it's not, you know, other than investing in the right people and making that committed investment, it really almost becomes a philosophical thing. 
Protecting is an enabler. It's really how does an organization want to position itself? What's its stance on data? Where does it, how much rigor do they want to put behind it and invest? And then tech is just an enabler to that. So if somebody listening is curious of what the data maturity of their organization or maybe their team, whatever their role happens to be within an organization, how would you recommend somebody go about starting to sort of assess that? I think, one, they should listen maybe to this for just some clues and context. And again, it may not be the right fit for them because there's so much, there's not a one size fits all. I would say, depending on where they're at, if they really don't know where they're at, then that probably should be a clue in and of itself. And then I would recommend that they hire someone like you, like an outside consultant. Mm-hmm. How bias comes in and does this type of assessment because mm-hmm. it's almost like research at Abbott Center. We should not be doing our own research. It's like researching our health, giving ourselves the you know an A. <laughs> so it, it helps to have an outside perspective, and then that will help them understand where they land if they are serious about moving in that direction. Yeah, I, I definitely think an outside hire as a consultant, similar to what you do, would be a good investment in a starter place. If they don't, then it does not who hasn't googled their way into their job <laughs> they can find out on any you could google like a maturity index and just kind of it won't be apples to apples but it'll give you some semblance of where they where you stand right yeah. and it'll you'll see different continuums you'll see that they're all very different yeah so i think that would be the right starting place I like that. I agree that sometimes there is a value of an external neutral perspective to say, because it also, you might have to ask some kind of sensitive questions, Yeah. right? You know, questions that could feel like if you're a director and you're trying to ask an executive staff member some questions about how often they use data and what kind of data they use in their decision making, it could get a little uncomfortable. Well, for sure. And you want to, uh, again, like if you want to make the right investment, you want to make really thoughtful and intentional moves in the early part of your build. And like you had said, you have to think about like, not just data, but like, you know, are you assessing yourself or are you going to invest in having someone who is highly skilled at this and approach and know how to approach individuals in a way that really you can get the food, listen, observe. They don't feel like they have to defend their position or that they are being Right. It's a nuance. It's a nuance to be able to do that assessment, but also that human component of being able to get the seed of things without putting guard. And I think having um, an external assessment as well, like you said, of can help frame it not that you're getting graded, right? That idea is just a journey. We have to know where we are in order to know where we're going to go. And there's nothing good or bad about being anywhere along that journey. And in fact, when we get to the end of this current journey, it's just going to start a new journey. We haven't ever, we'll never arrive. <laughs> exactly. And it's putting them in that mindset of this consistent continual improvement. And that, and in doing so, the consistent continual, hopefully, investment. And then it then becomes the norm over time because you're not seeing it go away and you're taking intentional moves to continue to build. Like we said earlier, it's not even a judgment call because, like, I look for a really clean Excel dirty database. So there's no judgment there. No, and I think that is a great place. I loved what you said, too, about the idea of you're having to ask what your maturity level is in data probably is a sign of where on the journey you are. Because as you move along this, you become a lot more aware of where you are and where you're going. In the beginning, if you have nothing in place, you're in that don't know, you know, don't know that I don't know space. And I think that, again, with the consistency that a great place that you were saying for people to start is at least just say, 
what tools do I have? What data do I have? What skills do I have? And how can I start to use them more consistently and start to move along that consistency spectrum? But really, if you're looking to make that big step, it has to start with uh, strategic leadership. That somehow, if you're not in a place to be able to bring in strategic leadership, you need to get the people who are bought into this idea. Yes. And it's a lot easier when you have someone who can have the experience to articulate the why behind it, the value behind it, because that's really what it is. The important part is the why and being able to make a case. And it's also the commitment, whether it's in consultants or staff, to really carry the work forward and the behaviors and expectations that are modeled. Communication in this space around data has to be consistent. Like you said, it has to be an underpinning, not a one and done. That, I think, is probably the biggest mind shift that I see with organizations is moving data from a, well, we have a grant, we're going to do this analysis, and then we move on. Or we're going to hire a consultant, they're going to do a project, and then we're going to move on to shifting it to this idea that is it a continual, constant process. And that's a big step to take. That is a huge step to take in your organization. Yes, it it's a, and continually refining it. I think when people talk about maturity and with that comes probably preconceived notions, myself included, sometimes about like, oh, if you're really advanced, you're doing like advanced AI and doing blockchain and all these cutting edge things and, you know, the internet of things and you're out there, but it doesn't have to be that way. Right? I think that's why it's scary for some people. Because that is the notion that is more pervasive that's out yes. there for maturity. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. And I very much think that uh, I know that one of the sort of models of data maturity, and this more talks about the analytic maturity piece, it goes from are you doing descriptive data to predictive to prescriptive, like the idea that it's actually telling you what decisions to make. And I always thought that was funny because I was like, well, I get to some extent that model that ultimately, right, you you have this like prescriptive data insight, but really all data that we're using, if it's effective, has to be prescriptive. It has to lead into some kind of decision making. And so you can have descriptive data that leads you to better decision making. It can lead you to a, a prescription, right, an idea of what the next step would be that will be the most helpful for you. And that we can do that at a simple level. We don't need AI. We don't have to have these advanced machine learning models to get to a point where we have data in place that are helping us make decisions better. Yes, I completely agree. And I think sometimes, unfortunately, that is a hard hurdle for people to get over because they think they have to have all these super advanced technology stacks and flows and blah, blah, blahs. And really, it's about exactly what you said. But is there a commitment there to learning it and using it and applying it effectively? Now, if you want to automate that later and you trust that decision-making, great. But it starts with the human. And again, with the data, before you get to analytics, you can't get to prescriptive if you have really bad data. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to get really some really interesting things to send back to you. <laughs> yep. Really sure for that, I guess, for, like I said, that philosophical human lens where it has to be batted around and open and all that stuff, because that is part of the process. Yeah. We have things just spit out up to us without questioning it or digging or asking 84 questions why that's part of the culture club yeah I interviewed a gentleman from the organization driven is named David Sadara and he talked about data standards he's like this is the foundation of your house like you have to have consistent data standards in place 
before you try to do anything else. And that's true when we're talking about data maturity, right? You have to get the data right before you go anywhere else uh, in order to like advance forward, right? You spend that time making sure that you have good data, that you have consistent ways that you're collecting the data and processing the data and defining how you calculate things and bringing data together. And again, that can just be in a spreadsheet, but you have to have that ground floor done. And then you take the next step forward in terms of advancing how people can access it, how many people can access it, what they're able to do with it, the insights they can get from it into the culture of decision-making with data. Now, one of the things that you also mentioned you know, around data maturity isn't just about getting the data to be rock solid and awesome and having really cool visualizations and having great access to data. It's also about communicating data. And I wanted to talk a little bit about how communication fits into a data maturity journey. You know, so first off, when do we need to start thinking about communicating with data, whether it's to internal stakeholders or external stakeholders? Is that something that comes sort of at the end once we've gotten to the place where we have a culture of data? Or is that something that really is baked in from the beginning? From the beginning, I feel very strongly about that because it should be part of the fabric of your organization and your norms and your culture. So if you are doing it, you should start at least having a communication now. You may not even have anything in place, but the more, again, consistency there is in emphasizing the importance of it, bringing it to the forefront is important in, in the from the beginning. It tells the team that it's table state. That's how we operate. This is how we are going to really lean into to make decisions and force human inputs. But it's going to then buy a, a lot of data to back up some of these things. So I but it, the nuances of that communication have to come in different ways. Data, staff number, data people, myself included, are wide and varied. <laughs> so but the most often I see us, myself included, stuck in a place called the curse of expertise. And that is, you know, where we assume if we say it once, it makes sense to us, it'll make sense to someone else. But we have to spend time cultivating knowledge and understanding of who we're speaking with the audience and meet them where they're at. I liken this to, I always joke, it's like, if you put me in charge of sales, I'm pretty much sure everyone's not going to have a job because I cannot sell. And if someone just told me one time, this is how you do it, fail, big, big fail. It's a give and a take. You have to learn where that person is. You have to approach it in a what's in it for me perspective. Build their from a hook. Because data is intimidating to a lot of people. The more jargon you use, the more uh, stereotypes you play into about like robotics and all these things that are foreign concepts that people need to make it accessible even in language and creating relational capacity around it, that's really where the important piece is and where you're going to make the connection um, from a cultural shift. You have to show the individual how it will work for them, not against them. I love the idea that as your organization matures from a data point of view, your conversations about data actually don't get more complex, right? They shouldn't get harder to understand. They should get more accessible because as your data maturity increases, you have more stakeholders. You've expanded across the organization. You have more people bought in and involved in this. So in fact, that probably has to, in some way, and I'm putting air quotes around simpler, it has to be represented in a way that all of your stakeholders can access. And so that's something, again, I think that is counterintuitive to when people think about this. A lot of people assume that a data mature organization is throwing around jargony terms all over the place. And in fact, it's the opposite. That's probably a sign of middle level of maturity where you've started putting things in place 
but you haven't figured out how to get the communication to really work you know, across all of the key stakeholders. Yeah, and everyone nowadays needs it, but they, but we have to show them in a way that resonates with them. You have know, to speak their language in a way where data will help them in their work and not hinder them. It reminds me of a lesson I was working on with my five-year-old where you know, they talk about the golden rule is do unto others as you would want things done unto you. But really there's a higher rule, which we were joking is the platinum rule, which is do unto others as they would like you to do unto them, right? right. And so as you were saying that the highest level of maturity and communication is being able to speak other people's language, not just how you would like to hear it, but how other people would like to hear it. Exactly, because that's what will, they'll attach themselves to. And they will make an investment there because you're not talking at them, you're talking with them. Mm-hmm. And if data is a core functionality of everything in the organization, then we know it does have a role to play for everybody and it does have a value for everybody. And we're responsible for making sure that value is communicated and that conversation channel is open to maximize that benefit. Always approaching it from a, I found most more success with approaching things from an angle of curiosity. Doesn't put people on guard. Really learn what is going to be helpful for them. You learn where their pain points are. You learn where they first things were better. Right. But you just ask questions. You don't put anyone on the spot, but you're like, can you educate me on this? Or would this work better for you? What do you need? What do you need? What would make your life easier? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. No, that is so true. Because then you can be curious together. Yeah, exactly. I feel like there are two quotes that come to mind. And of course, I'm not off the top of my head going to remember who said the quotes, but the first one is begin as you intend to end, right? The idea that you were saying that communication needs to be baked in from the beginning, this idea of consistency and culture baked in from the beginning. So even if you're taking a very small, simple step, that you are thinking about the journey and where you want to go, at least in this cycle, and you might repeat, you know, spiral up in new cycles. A lot of personality that needs to be there. Yes. It has to get put in place to get started or to move forward. The other quote that I was thinking, though, is just take the first step in faith. That you do have to take a step forward, <laughs> even if you don't know how you're going to get to the end journey. And you're be- you're supposed to begin with that end in mind, but you still just have to take that first step. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love that. And, and kind of with the theme of our conversation and that those quotes are so simple, but they're so powerful. The power is not in like the complexity. The power is in being able to have that consistency and the simplicity. It does not have to be, you know, I analyst. I love that. The power is not in the complexity. The power is in the consistency. I could not agree more on data. I don't feel like we created that together in this time. <laughs> I love it. And I think that is such a great note to leave on to say, yes, the power is not in the complexity, it is in the consistency. And that is what we have to achieve with data and that all of us can achieve. We all can get there. That's great. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Kristen. It's been such a pleasure talking with you. I love this journey that we've gone on about data maturity. And I hope that people can find a place where they find where they are in that journey and aren't scared to figure out how they can take that next step. Thank you so much, Alexandra. I appreciate being invited to speak with you. And for listeners out there, again, first up, maybe where do you stand? Maybe you have to connect with Alexandra to help with an assessment on this. She's great at what she does. Like we had mentioned early in the beginning, uh, we had a pre talk. And, and even in the olden days when I started, it was slow and it's still a little bit slow uh, as far as we'd like it to be. So embrace it and, and take that step. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you, everyone.
One of the pieces that stood out so much to me about Kristen's talk was this consistent approach that maturity is not about fancy tech. It's not about how complex things are. It's about consistency. The idea that you are a mature data organization when you can do all of the activities that are involved in succeeding with data consistently, not just sometimes, not when it's easy, not when you're just fully staffed and you have spare time, but the idea of that is a consistent activity. And I think that is such an important framework for us that we think about not how complex can we make things, how advanced, how fancy, how much do we invest in money or time, but are we consistently doing the things that are really going to make a difference for our organization when it comes to data? And as she pointed out several times, like there's a difference between data maturity and analytics maturity. Data is really about that foundation, and that's where you have to be most consistent. But as Kristen talked about, that's not just about being consistent with your technology. It's about being consistent with your processes, being consistent in the skills that you have and that you develop, and being consistent in the culture that supports the data that you need. It also struck me how much she emphasized the need to have a neutral third party if you're really committed to doing a full-scale analysis of your current position. And I obviously have a little bit of a conflict of interest with that, and I did not pay her to talk about that. But the idea that if you try to do this internally, especially if you're not the executive director of your organization, it might be a little bit difficult to have some of those conversations and some of that open dialogue without there being some sensitivity about some of the shortcomings or some of the challenges People may not be totally willing to open up to someone internal about some of the roadblocks they're seeing. And so even if it's not a consultant, finding a partner who could bring that neutral point of view, there is a huge amount of value in that and being able to navigate some of that, that nuance and some of those sticky situations to really get an honest assessment of where you are. I think of it as the same thing as, you know, when I um, go to student teacher conferences for my little kids that they don't ask me to do the assessment of my students, right? Because I'm going to be very biased in what I think about my kids, uh, sometimes biased to the good, but also sometimes biased to the bad. I might be harder on them than a third party, a neutral third party like their teacher who is there to do that job uh, would be able to give that kind of good assessment. So I hope that you're able to take some time to look at your own maturity around data, whether it's yourself, your team, or your organization. So good luck on your analytic journey. Breathe deep, seek truth, and I believe in you. You have been listening to Heart, Soul, and Data. This podcast is brought to you by Moroccanus, an analytics education, consulting, and data services company devoted to helping nonprofits and social enterprises amplify their impacts and thrive through data. You can learn more at Maracanos.com, M-E-R-A-K-I-N-O-S.com.